Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Well, I hope you feel inspired on a daily basis. I think inspiration is one of the great qualities of life that keep us going, um, give us vision, give us hope, and um, also just it's all around helps to bring happiness into our lives. I was inspired when I found out about a young man by the name of Jacob Kashir. He is my first guest today, and he has a very interesting practice that he does with uh, a one-on-one with people and also in a group setting. It's uh, called transformational dialogue. And we're going to hear all about what that is and how it helps people um, to maybe experience for the first time and learn how to grow in listening skills and connection with one another and having conversations that are truly transformational. So Jacob's going to be here telling us all about that. And I'm very excited. As always, we are brought to you by someone who inspires me every day, balance of balance of nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule, and the whole health system. Now, when I say someone, I was thinking actually specifically about the gentleman who formulated balance of nature, Dr. Douglas Howard. And I don't know if you've seen the commercials on television. They are very inspiring. There are testimonials um, by the people on camera that are real customers of Balance of Nature. And many of them are doing really incredible things with their lives in their later years, some of them younger, but some of them older. And they talk about the value of what having the right amount of fruits and vegetables in your system on a daily basis does for transforming your physical life, your nutritional life. And it's so inspiring. And so Dr. Douglas Howard is someone who's inspired me over the years. I've probably known him for 10 years or more even. And he's a medical doctor. He is also a doctor of chiropractic, but he founded Balance of Nature. And I've mentioned this before, not as a product or a company, but as a way to get nutrition. It was initially for elderly people who weren't able to get their hands on enough produce and get it down basically uh, to to get their nutritional requirements. And then it just went from there. He has a lot of kids and a lot of grandkids and family and friends basically starting to ask for balance of nature before it was a company. And so it's sort of kind of evolved into what it is now, which is a place where anybody on planet Earth can call or uh, go online to order from Balance of Nature and balanceofnature.com. It truly evolved that way from this man who was inspired to help his patients have more quality of life, be more uh, nutritionally sound at any age. In fact, uh, little kids, the little kids in his family eat the balance of nature. They chew it. They put it in all their food. It's it's a part of their lives. So from babies on up to um, the elderly, the octogenarians, and, and I'll I tell you what, they have made a big deal about it and they've shared it, their stories online at balanceofnature.com and they've also shared it on TV and it is so inspiring. So on that note today, as we uh, go into the rest of our program, uh, to discuss all these wonderful ideas and with Jacob Kashir and such. I want to tell you that you can get 35% off when you order Balance of Nature, the fruits and veggies and the 
and the whole health system, which just also means fiber and spice. You get 35% off and you always get free shipping if you put my name into the promo code. My name is Laura, L-A-U-R-A. And that way they know that you heard it here on the program, The Way Home with Laura Smith. And so on that note, by all means, whether you call them or write them, uh, Laura into the promo code. The phone number is super easy, 800-2468-751, 800-2468-751, or go to balanceofnature.com. Put L-A-U-R-A, Laura, into the promo code. When we come back, Jacob Kashir and Transformational Dialogue. Don't go away. This is The Way Home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. This past week, uh, we had a a monumental day. It it was Women's International Day, and it was very touching on social media to see um, just so many beautiful stories, pictures, photographs of, of people with women who mean something in their lives and, of course, important women throughout the ages historically. But I often find it so important as well that um, we focus on the men who are emerging in this world now. And boy, oh boy, are we ever in need of good, strong men and good, strong women. And there are some people that have kind of devoted their lives to uh, bringing out the best in, in people and creating wonderful spaces of thought and deepening conversation and so uh, my next guest is someone who actually we're talking to from Europe, but his work now is global. His name is Jacob Kashir, and he is a philosopher. He's an artist. He's a practitioner of transformative dialogue. Now, that's really the key here and what we're going to focus on today. But it's a practice in which people experience deep listening, meaning insight and healing and his practice invites participants to slow down and tune in that's both women and men but he also has um a wonderful group that he's initiated which is called men emerging and it's it's a wonderful way uh for men to come together in group he also is the uh he has a podcast a wonderful podcast called sense space and if you want to talk about getting into the deeper uh, throws of consciousness and raising it for this planet during these transformational times. Jacob Kashir is someone that will help you drop into that really beautiful place inside yourself when you can find the most uh, important and magical parts of yourself and really bring them to the forefront of every day. So without further ado, Jacob, thank you so much for joining us today on The Way Home. Thank you so much, Laura. It's wonderful to be with you this evening. Yes, thank you. Well, evening indeed for you, uh, being in Bavaria, Germany uh, here. It's it's noon, so it's the afternoon, but it's so good. So I was really, um, I was I found it very refreshing when I found your website, jacobkashir.com. That's your name, Kashir, spelled K-I-S-H-E-R-E, jacobkashir.com. And I saw this really beautiful website about some somebody who is a man, as I said, a young man who is really talking about changing the conversation or maybe not changing it so much, but transforming it and deepening it, not only for himself, but for others. So let's talk about dialogos and uh, dialogue transformation which is something that you do, which you're a specialist in, and you have wonderful opportunities for people to to participate in this and experience it. Thank you so much, Laura. Yeah, so 
transformative dialogue is, uh, would, would you like me to go into it now? Or? Absolutely. Actually, what I said it backwards. I said dialogue transformation. It's transformative dialogue. Thank you. Um, yeah. Talk about what is it and how are you offering this to people? So um, it's more than just having a deep one-on-one conversation with someone. Tell us about what happens when when you have transformative dialogue. How is it different than just, say, a regular old conversation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So transformative dialogue is a practice, and it's a practice we could participate in, like meditation, or we could practice a musical instrument. It's something that we grow our ability. We become more readily tuned in to participate in that the more that we do it. And so when I engage people in transformative dialogue, often what we do is we start out with a meditation, what we call dropping in. And it's about slowing down the acceleration, the momentum of day-to-day life and dropping into a slightly different space of awareness and presence with another person. And another important aspect of this kind of dialogue is it's emergent, which means we don't exactly know where it's going to go. It's an intuitive process that we go on together. And what that allows is for us to get to places we wouldn't have been able to get before. We get somewhere new very often. We get to a new place. And the transformative quality of it is a shift in state. We feel different when we get to the end of one of these dialogues. I see. So it's not like talk therapy per se. You're not there trying to help fix somebody or their or have them sort of express their problems. It's more of, like you said, a, a dialogue. And dialogos is part of uh, the, the name, and people will find that throughout your website. So it's a sense of dialogue, but... Are you, as the person who is sort of leading, are you leading the conversation or you're holding the space um, between two people so that do they just start talking about anything that comes to them or are you guiding this? Yeah, so often what it is informed by our lives. We do want to bring in what's alive for us, what's going on for us. So often after we've meditated and dropped in, Uh, we'll do a little check-in and we'll just bring what's going on for us. And from there, my role will be to sort of tune the conversation and to bring awareness, not just to what we're speaking about, but how we're speaking about it as well. Um, And so it it is distinct from therapy. It's not therapy. It's not coaching. Um, I'm not here to diagnose anyone. I'm here for a peer-to-peer practice. So um, you come because you want to have a meaningful conversation with somebody who is uh, cultivating the capacity for a deeper quality of listening. Um, and so I do this one-to-one. I have my, my practice. And uh, another important element is that it's long form. So we always take 90 minutes for these dialogues, and that allows us to really develop and build and create something together so that when we get to the end of it, we really feel that we've been on a journey and we come out in a different state of being. Right. You said something that I think really stands out to me. And if there's anything that I think humankind in general 
needs more of, that is that intense listening to one another. And I mean that on so many different levels, whether it's between a, a couple, a spouse, you know, spouses with children and parents, um, politics, uh, societies. I mean, in every way you look at life, it feels like what often tends to be missing and what creates the most misunderstanding in the world is the ability to listen or the willingness to listen. So let's talk just a, a moment about what happens when this beautiful intense and intent of listening takes place in one of your dialogues. Yeah, so the listening is is a really multidimensional uh, thing. Often we think of listening like I'm just going to pay attention to who I'm speaking with. Um, when I speak about listening, there's many layers. I begin with listening to ourselves, listening to our bodies, listening to our breath. And from that deeper connection with ourselves, then we're more equipped to then listen to the space and listen to the other person as well. And we can bring a kind of curiosity in that. So we're not just hearing what's being said, but we're hearing perhaps what's underneath it, what's beyond it. Um, and this kind of curious energy, this uh, wonder can actually move the conversation in a gentle way. It pulls it towards something new, something um, emerging out of it. And, and so ultimately, you know, it's, it's listening in dialogue, but it changes the way that you listen in life, uh, yes. the way you listen to the world. Yes. Well, it gives you, I guess, the experience of that, because I don't think we all generally do that, do we not? I mean, like you said, we do pay attention when people speak sometimes, sometimes not. And but do we often sit there and try to think about, well, what are we going to say next to whatever they're saying or try to speak? You know, it, there's just so much I think about when how much I don't listen and how much when I'm with people, how much how incredibly good it feels when you really feel that someone is actually listening to what you have to say. And then I guess taking it from that point as a, as opposed to already having a, a, a an answer that's right there at the ready. Um, so you have both men and women that you're in one-on-one -on -one peer to peer dialogue uh, doing your uh, transformative dialogue with, do you find that there's a difference between men and women in this? Is it easier for for women to to engage in it, a, or do you find there to be a readiness for for both men and women? Hmm. I yeah. I mean, I've been I've been struck by the range of ages as well of the people coming to this. Like, I, I found myself practicing with women in their fifties and sixties, and men twenties, twenties through fifties. So, um, no, I think it, it, it is a practice for everyone. And one of the unique qualities um, of spaces where this practice is happening is bringing together men and women in this really unique and dynamic way. Um, I think for a lot of men, it can be an opening to the intuitive, to the sensing um, in men's spaces. It, it provides... Um, yeah, a different way to show up for men than often sort of day-to-day -day conversation. Um, and it's, it's taking away that, 
very practical, very goal-oriented mode that as men we often are inhabiting. And it's coming into more of a sensing, more of a kind of conversational jazz. Um, so I think it, it offers something to, to both. Yes. I, I've read your, your the wonderful uh, sort of testimonials on your website about what people get from this. And they often um, talk about the lack of judgment that's involved. So that's a, that seems to be another aspect of this transformational dialogue that you do with people one-on-one or in a group that allows them to speak without feeling like they're going to be judged at any moment for what they've just said. I mean, don't we live in a society right now that just feels like it's just rife with people already having an opinion about everything that people are saying and therefore not being able to listen, or if they do, they ha- they have to come back with with their feeling about whether it's good, bad, or or not. And instead of just allowing it to be what it is, um, I, th- I think that's a gift too that a lot of us don't get the opportunity to practice so much. I, what I think is so interesting about what you do and your podcast too, you see it in your podcast when you do it one on one with these really incredible thinkers, philosophers consciousness uh, raisers and thinkers. Um, I see that happen between the two of you. When you mentioned the word jazz, I almost thought of the word dance. It's incredible mm-hmm. how the the, um, the permission to be one's entire self in a beautiful place of non-judgment and of curiosity, like you said, and just all around peace, you start your transformational dialogue with a meditation, you said each time. I just think that is just such a, a rare opportunity. But you find yourself getting a lot of people interested in this, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it, it does seem to be something quite new in the culture right now as well. Uh, and something that's actually needed. I think it responds to this time in a particular way. Uh, so many of us are having a really hard time having conversations. Um, maybe it's the most difficult time for that. Uh, in history, but um, this this practice is about equipping us with the skills, with the capacities um, to hold all of those conversations, all of those relationships, a little more skillfully, a little more curiously. Um, and as as you speak to, I mean, the the fever pitch is so high, um, and so part of what I offer is just to really relax the nervous system, you know, let go of the need to get anywhere particularly fast, slow down and just go where it wants to go. Um, And it really, it has been such an opportunity for me in my own personal journey um, of healing, of becoming, to be able to go to these places that I hadn't been before in myself. Um, And often when we get to that, to that place of not knowing, that place of curiosity, we can we can speak without knowing quite what we're going to say next, and it's like playing an instrument in in that kind of jazz way. Um, and when we do that, you know, we're we're becoming, we're we're creating, uh, we're expressing parts of ourselves that have never been expressed before. Mm, I love that finding one's voice, both figuratively, literally. Um, it sounds beautiful. Now, I know you have, as I said, you do it one-on-one with people, so they can sign up for that. Um, you also have this, tell us about the um, Men Emerging 
initiative. I think that sounds really interesting. And you've done it already before. It's not happening for the first time. You, you've already held these groups. Yes, that's right. We just did the first initiative in fall through early spring. The next one is going to be coming up around May. Um, and the men emerging, the notion behind it is to bring together a traditional men's circle with this transformative dialogue capacity. And when I've been doing that, something really unique has been happening. And men are sort of discovering a kind of fellowship together in this dialogue and it's it's creating a space where the conflicts and tensions can be held in the right way so that that actually can be an opening a deepening um so it's it's not just you know all about lovey-dovey soft meditative feelings we really do we get into it but we get into it in a way that um provides a deepening of relationship so it's an eight session journey every fortnight and the idea is that it kind of gives you an arc through a season of your life in which you're coming together with this group and there's a kind of continuity of grounding and togetherness mm -hmm. um sounds like there's great cool. respect i'm sorry as i cut you off yeah, please <laughs> please <laughs> There's great respect. It sounds like that that kind of undergirds these these t moments and these groups and on your one on one as well, a kind of respect that, again, I think is just so important and so necessary at this point in in, in our civilization. It's it's more than just between two people. It's in our whole civilization and this ability to to speak respectfully, even if we respectfully agree to disagree with one another, to do it in a way that doesn't tear the other person down, that indeed involves curiosity, maybe wanting to learn more, that tell me more. I went to a workshop in San Diego many years ago, and, and one of the things they taught was a, a, how to listen uh, to each other. And then one of the exercises was the tell me more. And so somebody tells you something and they share something, but then you say, to, well, tell me more about that. And it forces, it allows the other person to go deeper and to feel even more intently listened to. And I just think, again, this is something that the whole world, men and women, um, could really use right now. And I just found it so fascinating that you offer this. I'd never heard about it before. But uh, Jacob Kashira, it's really, it, it sounds like, um, like you said, a bit of a departure from regular talk therapy or coaching, life coaching both are of which are wonderful and helpful to so many people. But this is something a bit new. And yet um, it sounds like it's uh, safe for people. And so are you hosting these one-on-one uh, -on -one and your groups on virtually? I mean, I know that you're in uh, Bavaria, Germany. So you're doing this uh, sort of on Zoom. Is that how it's happening? Yes, that's right. I'm doing it all from Zoom in my Alpine village. <laughs> there you go. But you still do you still feel that you get the same deep connection and transformation that happens with the dialogue? Very much, Laura. It's it's profoundly multidimensional what we can do with Zoom. Wonderful. Are there any more um, interesting? So you've got the emerge. Is it men? Emer I'm sorry. I've, I keep going back and forth with or saying <laughs> things opposite. Which the emerging men thing is. Yes. Men emerging. Men emerging. Uh, I'm not listening very well, am I? 
I think you're doing great. Um, there's also uh, Dialogos and Fellowship, which is another transformative dialogue journey that's going to be starting up at the end of April. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to resonate with what you were saying about listening and how valuable this is for this time. I think our, our hearts are longing for deeper connection and deeper dialogue and you know, it's, it's not just great for our own journey, our own life transitions. It's kind of a civic responsibility now. It's a way of really stepping up, not at the ballot box, not at the tweet box, but in every conversation, in every context. Yeah, one conversation at a time. Wow. I, I think it sounds absolutely beautiful. I encourage people to go to your website, Jacob Kashir. And Kashir, once again, is spelled K-I-S-H-E-R-E, K-I-S-H-E-R-E, jacobkashir.com, and find out about his transformational dialogue and the two groups, Men Emerging Initiative and also the uh, transformational uh uh, and fellowship, but the dialogue and fellowship, dialogos and fellowship. Um, it's all there. It's fascinating. It's a very beautiful website. And no doubt you have um, really touched a lot of people. And when you talk about connection, I know that's what you're doing um, from wherever you are in the world. And, and people will feel a deeper sense of that. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us today on the way home. I am so happy to know that there are these wonderful uh, gifts and opportunities waiting for people who want to go just a little bit deeper or maybe even a lot. Thank you so much for being on the way home. Thank you so much, Laura. It's been a pleasure. Again, his website is jacobkashir.com. This is The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, March is World Sleep Month, in addition to uh, a lot of other things uh, that are going on. And however, uh, I hope to always bring you guests that are, well, don't put you to sleep. Let's put you that, <laughs> put you it go. that way. But um, in this case, we have somebody that is so well-versed in how to help you to sleep that uh, he's known as the sleep doctor. Dr. Michael J. Bruce. He's a clinical psychologist for Diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine, and he's also a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. He is a, a pundit on many, many, many television shows, and he's written a ton of books as well. And uh, But there is a new product out, and we're going to be talking about that today. So thank you, Dr. Bruce, for joining us and, uh, yeah, keeping us all awake here. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. And, you know, to be honest with you, Snoring's turning out to be a much bigger deal than people think. I've heard about I've heard that. I've heard that it it actually signals that there's other stuff going on. So yeah. why don't you you tell us a little bit about what it means just besides the fact that it's for some couples it's like making them sleep in, you know, two separate right. rooms. Right, right, right. So so one of the things I try to tell people all the time is snoring is kind of the precursor, like it's the warning sign that stuff's about to go wrong. Okay, so when we when we have people snore, first of all, let's I mean, we should probably explain to your listeners what snoring actually is, and then it makes more sense as to how it can be predictive of other health related issues. Is that okay? If I if absolutely I kind of yes, please. Cool. So snoring is really the result 
of a narrowing or an obstruction of your airway while you're sleeping. So uh, as an example, when we sleep, you know, the muscles in our airway, including your mouth and your nose and your throat, um, they relax. And the passages become smaller because of this relaxation of the tissue. Air that's moving through these narrowed passages causes the soft tissues to be kind of flappy and then they, they vibrate and then they cause a cadence, which causes a snore. So once you understand that, it becomes, it be, makes a lot more sense that this is a physical problem. This isn't somebody, you know, saying, hey, guess what? You know, I'm planning on snoring tonight. I can't wait for you to experience that, right? It's not like they're doing it on purpose. But okay. what's more interesting is because of this physical pathway, we're actually learning that snoring is easily a precursor for sleep apnea. Now, I want to be super duper clear. We did a great poll where we, uh, we actually went out to 2,000 people. We discovered that roughly 53, 51 to 53% of the people in the country snore, which mm-hmm. is kind of impressive when you think about it. Um, but what a lot of Americans don't know is that if that snoring leads to stopping breathing in your sleep or leads to daytime somnolence, or you wake up in the morning and you're like, God, I feel like crap. And the only thing that happened was I snored a bunch. That could be an early sign of sleep apnea. Also snoring has now been linked to high blood pressure, heart attack, stroke. So at the end of the day, if you're snoring, you have a health problem. Wow. And who knew? So I, I'm assuming there are places that can figure that out for yeah. you. Is it a sleep specialist like you? Yeah. So here's what I tell people all the time. Let's say it's you or your bed partner who's got the snoring issue. Number one, whoever doesn't snore, stay up when the other person falls asleep and listen to their snores. What you're listening for is a pause or a stoppage of breathing, like I was describing earlier, right? That's called sleep apnea. If you hear somebody lying next to you, stop breathing and then kind of gasp and choke, don't walk run to the doctor. Okay. Get and and talk to just your regular doctor and say, Hey, I think I have sleep apnea. They'll send you for a sleep study. Well, you'll meet a person like me who's, you know, basically dedicated their career to studying sleep and helping people with sleep related disorders. Um, Now, that being said, remember that's apnea. That's not snoring. 51% of people snore, but only 18 to 12 to 18% of people, depending upon gender, have sleep mm-hmm. apnea. So it's not a two directional street with traffic flowing at the same rate on both sides, if that makes sense. So besides the fact that stopping breathing is probably not good like, for probably you, not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what is it that's so bad about sleep apnea that you need to be concerned yeah. about and even possibly take these measures by getting those machines and such? What is yeah. the real problem with sleep apnea? Absolutely. So there's two real problems with sleep apnea, depending upon your medical history. So number one, when you stop breathing in your sleep, your oxygen in your blood drops. That's not good, generally speaking. If if it drops below 90, we have a problem on our hands. If it drops below 80, you're pretty much guaranteed um, if it stays down there long enough to have a stroke. So we know that that's number one. Number two, here's the thing that happens with sleep apnea is that you stop breathing in your sleep, your oxygen drops, and then your brain says, oh crap, there's no air and it wakes you up. These awakenings are very, very, uh, very, very brief. And and in fact, um, most people don't even recognize that they've woken up. And I have patients who wake up hundreds of times a night, have no clue. Only thing they know is that they snore and when they wake up in the morning, they feel like crap. Um, so that's definitely one of the ways that we can start to learn a little bit more, talk to a doctor about it. But again, snoring in and of itself 
is not sleep apnea, but it is pretty damn annoying. Um, we, we actually asked people um, what was the most annoying, annoying trait of your bed partner. And 21% of people said they're snoring. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. So, all right. So we know that it's something that could be more serious. Now, yeah. apparently there is a product out that is new that they, yeah. I'm sure it's gone through some clinical trials and such. Tell us about Mute. Yep. So Mute is an FDA approved, 100% natural and drug-free internal nasal dilator. I'm going to explain to you what that is in just a second. It actually won Health Magazine's 2021 Sleep Awards, believe it or not. So uh, an internal nasal dilator is a small ring that goes inside each nostril that's connected with a small piece, uh, a small connector piece. And what it does is it actually opens up your nostrils. So if you've ever, which you probably haven't, but I do because I'm a sleep doctor, looked up your nose, um, if you go into the bathroom and you tilt your head back, you'll notice something. Your nostrils are not the same size. In fact, one might be long, one might be short, one could be collapsed. You could have a deviated septum. All of these different things can, can be out there. So, you know, I was looking for a solution for my patients um, and, you know, I found all the normal stuff. I found special pillows that put your head into a particular spot and then you don't snore as much anymore. But the problem is nobody ever stays in the same spot all night long. Um, I looked at these things that you spray across the back of your throat, these like gargles and washes and things like that. None of them did any good. What mute does is it physically removes the tissue and opens up your airway. You literally feel it within seconds of putting it in. Um, and that's kind of what I liked. You know, congestion is probably one of the biggest problems when it comes to sleep, whether it's particulates in your room or allergies or asthma or whatever. Um, that's definitely something that you want to be thinking about. So by inserting this, leaving it there and sleeping with it all night long, the good news here is you get straight up breathing um, and you don't get that snoring. So not only do you feel better as the snorer, but your bed partner finally gets some rest. Oh, that's great. Now, uh, like a lot of medications or or n this one is, you said, not medicine. No medicine it's, whatsoever. It's you natural. Yeah. Okay. And uh, no side effects after prolonged use? Are you? No, it's a great, you know, so that's an interesting question. So I keep mine in. So I'll, I'll be honest with you. I like to drink bourbon every once in a while. Okay. Mm -hmm. And bourbon makes me snore. Okay. So <laughs> my wife doesn't like it when I drink bourbon, specifically because I snore. So she says, Michael, if you're going to drink, put your nose thingy in or sleep on the sofa. So I put my nose thingy in and I'm in good shape. So, <laughs> so uh, the noise thingy being mute. Exactly. Okay. So the reason that I like it so much is because it's quick, it's efficient. It doesn't cost a whole lot. It's a, it's a grand total of, I think, 20 bucks on Amazon. Um, and honestly, you can reuse it. And no, you can use it as long as you want. As a matter of fact, I use it at night from... Um, about midnight till about 6 a.m. And then I do something that's a little bit on the unique side with it. So I continue to leave it in and I do my meditation and my breath work while I'm wearing it. And I got to tell you something, my meditations are better. My breath work is better. And then I go to the gym and I leave it in while I'm at the gym and I run faster or I'm on the bike better because I get more air. Oh, that's really terrific. Well, yeah. I want my listeners to know where they can find Mute. You said oh, sure. it's Amazon or is there an, also a website with some yeah. more information if people want to do a little more um, yeah, investigating? Of course. Yeah. of course. And I think they should do a little bit more investigating. Uh, you should go to mute snoring. 
like hit the mute button on your snoring.com or go to Amazon. Um, I tell people buy the purple trial pack because it has three different sizes in it. Um, and then you and your partner can, you know, try them out and things like that. I wear mine for about seven to 10 days each day after I uh, remove it. I wash it gently with some warm water and soap, and then I just let it dry on a paper towel and then use it the next evening. Oh my gosh. That sounds wonderful. Once again, it's mute snoring.com yep. mute snoring.com and i'm so happy to be here today with the sleep doctor michael dr michael bruce thank you so much it sounds like a, a great uh, opportunity for people to maybe finally get what could be the noisiest issue in the house under yeah. control thank you so much for joining us on the way home yeah no thanks for for having me and you know with the daylight savings time coming up so soon people are going to lose an hour so if you're already not sleeping well next to a snoring bed partner you might want to go get it this weekend. Holy cow. <laughs> Mute. Exactly. Mute snoring.com. And the product is called Mute. Thank you so much, doctor. You bet. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again, here's Laura. My guest, Maggie Ferentz, is here today. She is the Senior Vice President of Business Banking, Business Banking Credit, SBA, and Operations Director for Huntington National Bank. And we're going to talk about small businesses um, after this crazy pandemic, a lot of uh, little, you know, the smaller businesses went out of business and others uh, stayed afloat. And I think people are now, it seems to be from research are coming back around and truly wanting to um, give it a go again. So Maggie, I'm glad you're here today because, you know, when you look around just your own specific town that you live in, you, you do see that some places have permanently closed. But you're also seeing, you know, new businesses starting, you know, coming up soon with signs in the windows and such. Tell us what the the climate is out there. And and if we in, indeed are going to see a resurgence of small business in our communities. Yeah, that's a great conversation because, you know, part of this just also, you know, there, there's a life cycle that always happens in local communities with businesses starting and, and, and businesses closing and really what the pandemic did was, you know, first and foremost, bring attention to that, but then also really increase the, you know, the, the pressure that it placed on so many small businesses. They really didn't have a rainy day fund to help get through what was, you know, obviously an unprecedented worldwide disaster, if you will. Um, and what we're seeing now, though, is that for so many folks who were at home, you know, either by choice or, or really by some of these mandates and, and, you know, have the time to really think to themselves, you know, do I want to go back to the workforce in the same capacity? Do I want to, you know, instead um, really bring my passion, um, bring my skill to, to, you know, small business ownership and be my own boss? We're really seeing an evolution of the workforce. Um, and, and we're seeing not not as much even a labor shortage discussion, but a change around how people want to be employed and how they're bringing their services and they're bringing their value to the everyday workplace. And we've seen over 10, almost 10 million in new applications of small businesses in 2020 and 2021, where people are saying, it's time for me to start a small business, fill a gap, mm. provide a service, but I'm going to be the one at the Yes, that's really interesting. I think you're so right about that. I've talked to a lot of people who um, have looked and found work and, and they, they're insisting that they, they work only remotely now. And there's a lot of businesses offering that. So it, it has changed that in, in many senses. But when when you say that a lot, there's, you know, over 5 million applications or whatever for small businesses, what what kind of businesses are trending that people are wanting to start up? 
You know, I think a lot of it starts with some of the things that we've learned about ourselves, about, you know, consumer behavior, really through the pandemic. Um, you know, think about the things that didn't exist two and three years ago. You know, restaurant delivery services is always a great example of, you know, it was something that no one really thought of. You know, we've been having pizza delivered for, you know, what seems like 100 years. And now you can have other products and services delivered in the same way. You know, the pandemic may end tomorrow, but I think that, you know, the ability to, you know, have someone bring you a hamburger is going to continue. So as people really looked around and said, you know, what, what can I offer? What can I bring from a value or, or a product or service? What gaps exist? Think about the supply chain disruption. You know, people were disappointed and frustrated by the inability to move some of those international deliveries a little faster. Can I bring something to my local economy that, you know, now we don't have to worry about that delivery service anymore coming from, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles away. Now we're having conversations about, you know, you know, can we increase domestic production? Can we manufacture some of these things here? Can we bring back to our local economies that which we really needed during the pandemic? And are you saying, Maggie, that uh, there is money available for people who want to uh, start up a new business and, and need to get a loan? Is there is there good money available? Absolutely. And actually, that's the irony of the whole situation. You know, as, as bleak as some of the headlines on, on any given day feel with things like, you know, buzzwords like labor shortage and inflation. And, you know, is the pandemic really over? Has it released its grip on small business? This is actually a really good time to start a small business. There are more programs available right now through the American Rescue Act funding, um, you know, programs through um, the SBA lending programs, like at Huntington Bank, we offer a program called Lift Local that is specifically focused on helping minority and female and veteran-owned small businesses start and grow, expand, um, there's a ton of options available. Doing your research, putting together a business plan, seeing what's available in your local uh, marketplace is really step one. And, and really just knowing that there's never a bad time to start a small business if you're prepared. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And where would somebody go to get help in drawing up a business plan? A lot of people have wonderful ideas. They have good business sense, but they don't necessarily know how to do that. And, and go through the process of, of getting loans and, and such. So where would you recommend people start that process? Well, I always um, start by saying um, this process starts as free. You do not have to pay for the products and services um, to get to frankly get this process started for you as a would-be small business owner. Um, great resources are available on the federal website sba.gov. I mean, really starting with the U.S. Small Business Administration, learning who in your local area is actually providing these products and services. Um, and then also, I, I honestly suggest checking out Huntington.com. Um, you know, my organization provides a tremendous number of resources, especially if you're looking to start a small business. You do not have to be a customer. Um, if you actually look at keyword list local, you can get access to a partnership that we have with Operation Hope to actually create that business plan, start up cash flow projections, a pro forma balance sheet, getting you ready for access to capital. Um, you never have to walk in the door at Huntington. This is really a rising tide that lifts all boats to help us really increase the number of small businesses that are getting up and running in the U.S. That's great. And you said, again, that's a Huntington.com. Huntington.com keyword list local. List local. Exciting. And also SBA.org was the other one for the Small Business Association. Well, that's really comforting and it's very exciting. And um, I'm sure it gives a lot of people hope that uh, 
you know, all is not lost. And whatever ideas they came up with, perhaps during uh, the pandemic, when people had a chance to really look inward and towards what they truly wanted to do with their lives, they'll be very happy to hear that Huntington National Bank is offering these wonderful tools and uh, even the lending uh, to them as well. Thank you so much for joining us today, Maggie Ferentz. Pr- really appreciate it. Senior Vice President, Business Banking, Banking Credit, SBA, and Operations Director for Huntington National Bank. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, it's that time of the program where we like to bring you good news stories found in the interweb by our very own Jim Cleefield, the uh, keeper of the good news stories. We also call him the guru of good news. Uh, Jim Cleefield, also known as Jimmy Dean in my book. Uh, What do you have for us today? You always find a couple of real good ones. Well, you got to hand it to those first responders, I must say. I talk about your police officers, your firefighters, your EMS. They are heroes. Each and every day, I must say, we got to salute them. But one firefighter in particular in Alabama, I mean, did a yeoman's job, and he saved the life while risking his own, as all first responders must do. He saved the life of a three-year-old boy during an apartment fire that happened towards the end of one of his shifts. His name is Officer Tyler Dyson, and he was just wrapping up one of his Sunday shifts uh, in a town in Alabama, Rogersville, when he got one of those uh, last-minute calls that an apartment building was on fire And he didn't hesitate one second. I mean, within just seconds, he got over to the scene and after he got the call and just as as soon as he got out of the car, he heard a woman scream, my child is uh, inside, my baby's inside and the apartment building was on fire. Well, he, without any hesitation, just took within minutes, he said, you know, I got to save this child's life no matter what. I mean, I've got to risk my own life because they do every single day. Well, within minutes. Uh, After he got inside the burning building, he managed to save the child. And thankfully, uh, the the little baby, the three-year-old boy, there's no name here, uh, was lethargic in the breathing, did have some burns. But thankfully, I'm happy to say that the baby's life was saved and uh, had to be treated at UAB Hospital. That's in Birmingham, for those who may not know where that is. The family is absolutely grateful. And uh, the police chief was telling a television station, you know, this guy just really just did the job. Uh, he was just superb, just really extraordinary. And the family, uh, they're just happy that the child's back home and recovering and doing well. Thank you very much. Dyson, uh, again, he suffered minor injuries. And by the way, the police chief that was on scene when that happened, I want to also salute Rogersville Police Chief Brian Hudson. Uh, he and Dyson will be honored for their heroic actions. Just good work for them. As they should be, for sure. And all of them. I had a fire last year. We talked about that on the show before. And the firefighters were here within five minutes. They saved my house from going all the way down. And I just, when you see it in your own life in real time, you just, you really get the sense of what heroes they are. So that's a beautiful story. And that baby's life was spared. Thank God. Uh, for these wonderful, wonderful firefighters and for, like, first responders of all types, EMTs and the, the police as well. What else do you have for us, J.D.? Well, I know you're not a very big football fan, Laura, although you do watch the Super Bowl. But I got to acknowledge uh, there is an event that happens not far from you at about two hours south in Indianapolis. The NFL Combine is held each and every March and all the rookies uh, they hope to 
uh, get their NFL dreams come true. Well, it's the story of one particular prospect that made headlines off the field and not on it that just really resonated with everybody. In fact, it went viral. It was an act of kindness. Uh, his name is Malik Willis. He's a quarterback that comes out of Liberty University. They're actually uh, located in Central Virginia. They're celebrating their 50th anniversary. Congratulations to them. But what he did was there was a video that was posted on Twitter via social media, a million views, a million hits. Willis is seen opening up his suitcase on the street and handing out several items inside to a homeless person. This is while he was at the combine. And he just and not only that, he, his workout itself was terrific. I mean, he wowed everybody. I think he's going to be a top pick. But the fact that he said, he said, look, I have no money, but I can you know, give you a couple of shirts to this woman. I and mean, he wanted to reach out, give whatever he could. And uh, Willis said, didn't know anybody was watching this while it was happening. He thought it was just him. And the homeless woman, nobody else was watching this whole thing, but he just felt that he felt like he had to do something. You know, he's in a position where he wants to help people. And this is a rookie. He's not making a million dollars yet. But the fact is that you know, someone like this has the kindness of his heart to reach out to somebody in need, whoever that may be. And that's a lesson all of us can learn, because every day you know, we talk about kindness, not only on this show, but it's something we really need more of in this world today. Well, I'll tell you what, he sounds like he's got all the makings of the with the right stuff there. I hope he goes on to to be a a big powerhouse because you can imagine you always do those stories here um, on the way home about Shaq and how he's always giving back and stuff. Well, I hope that he turns into this guy turns into somebody big because I have a feeling he's going to do even more great things for people out of the kindness of his heart. Wonderful mm. news stories per usual. Jimmy Dean, thank you so much for that. Thank you, dear. And Bob Small, yes, indeed, our engineer with the most. Thanks for everything. I enjoyed those stories, too. Yeah. Glad you do. I mean, I aim to please on the show. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You always do. Thank you so much. Lots of inspiration to go around. Live uh, your whole life as though every day is uh, the best and the first and the last of your life so you can make it count. And have a wonderful week full of love and uh, joy, safety, health, and all those good things. And we'll see you next time right here on The Way Home. I'm Laura Smith. (laughs) 